Chapter One of Gunsight Pass How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gunsight Pass How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. Crooked as a Dog's Hind Leg. It was a land of splintered peaks, of deep, dry gorges, of barren mesas burnt by the suns of a million torrid summers. The normal condition of it was warfare. Life here had to protect itself with a tough, callous rind, to attack with a swift, deadly sting. Only the fit survived but moonlight had magically touched the hot wrinkled earth with a fairy godmother's wand it was bathed in a weird mysterious beauty into the crotches of the hills lakes of wondrous color had been poured at sunset the crests had flamed with crowns of glory the canyons became deep pools of blue and purple shadow blurred by a kindly darkness the gaunt ridges had softened to pastels of violent and bony mountains to splendid sentinels keeping watch over a gulf of starlit space around the campfire the drivers of the trail herd squatted on their heels or lay sprawled at indolent ease the glow of the leaping flames from the twisted mesquite lit their lean faces tanned to bronzed health by the beat of an untempered sun and the sweep of parched winds most of them were still young scarcely out of their boyhood a few had reached maturity but all were products of the desert the high-heeled boots the leather chaps the kerchiefs knotted around the neck were worn at its insistence upon every line of their features every shade of their thought it had stamped its brand indelibly the talk was frank and elemental it had the crisp crackle that goes with free unfettered youth in the parlor some of it would have been offensive but under the stars of the open desert it was as natural as the life itself they spoke of the spring rains of the crawford steelman feud of how they meant to turn malappy upside down in their frolic when they reached town they rode each other with jokes that were familiar old friends their horseplay was rough but good-natured out of the soft shadows of the summer night a boy moved from the remuda toward the campfire he was a lean sandy-haired young fellow his figure still lank and unfilled in another year his shoulders would be broader his frame would take on twenty pounds as he sat down on the wagon tongue at the edge of the firelight circle the stringiness of his appearance became more noticeable a young man waved a hand toward him by way of introduction gents of the d-bar lazy r outfit we now have with us roosting on the wagon tongue mr david sanders formerly of arizona just returned from making love to his paint hoss mr sanders will make oration on the why wherefore and how come of it of chiquito's superiority to all other equines whatever the youth on the wagon tongue smiled his blue eyes were gentle and friendly from his pocket he had taken a knife and was sharpening it on one of his dawn-at-the-heel boots. "'I'd like right well to make love to that pinto my own self, Bob,' commented a weather-beaten puncher. 
and the old time Dave wants to saw em off on me at sixty dollars, I'm here to do business. You're sure an easy mark, Buck, grunted a large fat man leaning against a wheel. His white, expressionless face and soft hands differentiated him from the tough range riders. He did not belong with the outfit, but had joined it the day before with George Doble, a half-brother of the trail foreman, to travel with it as far as Malapi. In the southwest, he was known as Ad Miller. The two men had brought with them, in addition to their own mounts, a lead pack-horse. Doble backed up his partner. "'Sure are, Buck. I can get cow-ponies for ten and fifteen dollars, all I want of them.' he said, and contrived by the lift of his lip to make the remark offensive. "'Not ponies like Chiquito,' ventured Sanders amiably. "'That's so,' jeered Doble. He looked at David out of a sly and shifty eye. He had only one. The other had been gouged out years ago in a drunken fracas. "'You couldn't get Chiquito for a hundred dollars, not for sale,' the owner of the horse said a little stiffly. Miller's fat paunch shook with laughter. "'I reckon not. At that price, I'd give all of forty for him. "'Different here,' replied Doble. "'What has this Pinto got that makes him worth over thirty? "'He's some bronc,' explained Bob Hart. "'Got a bag full of tricks, a nice disposition, and sure can burn the wind.' "'Your friend must be valuing them parlor tricks at ten dollars apiece.' murmured Miller. He'd ought to put em in a show and not keep em to chase cow-tails with. At that, I've seen circus horses that weren't one, two, three with Chiquito. He'll shake hands and play dead and dance to a mouth-organ and come a-running when Dave whistles. You don't say, the voice of the fat man was heavy with sarcasm. And on top of all that education, he can run, too. The temper of Sanders began to take an edge, he saw no reason why these strangers should run on him, to use the phrase of the country. I don't claim my Pinto's a racer, but he can travel. Hm, grunted Miller skeptically. I'm here to say he can, boasted the owner, stung by the manner of the other. Don't look to me like no racer, Doble descended. Why, I'd be most willing to bet that pack horse of ours, Whiskey Bill, can beat him. Buck Byington snorted. Pack horse, eh? The old puncher's brain was alive with suspicions. On account of the lameness of his horse, he had returned to camp in the middle of the day and had discovered the two newcomers trying out the speed of the pinto. He wondered now if this precious pair of crooks had been getting a line on the pony for future use. It occurred to him that Dave was being engineered into a bet. The chill hard eyes of Miller met his. That's what he said, Buck our pack-horse. For just an instant, the old range-rider hesitated, then shrugged his shoulders. It wasn't none of his business. He was a cautious man, not looking for trouble. Moreover, the law of the range is that every man must play his own hand. So he dropped the matter with a grunt that expressed complete understanding and derision. Bob Hart helped things along. Joking aside, what's the matter with a race? We'll be on the salt flats tomorrow. I got ten bucks says the pinto can beat your whiskey bill. Go you once, answered Doble after a moment's apparent consideration. Being as I'm drug into this, I'll be a dead game sport. 
I got fifty dollars more to back the pack horse. How about it, Sanders? You got the sand to cover that, or are you plumb scared of my broom tail? Bet you a month's pay, thirty-five dollars. Give you an order on the boss if I lose, retorted Dave. He had not meant to bet, but he could not stand this fellow's insolent manner. That order good, Doug? asked Doble of his half-brother. The foreman nodded. He was a large, leather-faced man in the late thirties. His reputation in the cattle country was that of a man ill to cross. Doug Doble was a good cowman, none better. Outside of that, his known virtues were negligible, except for the primal one of gameness. "'Might as well lose a few bucks myself, seeing as Whiskey Bill belongs to me,' said Miller with his wheezy laugh. "'Who wants to take a whirl, boys?' Inside of three minutes, he had placed a hundred dollars. The terms of the race were arranged and the money put into the hands of the foreman. Each man to ride his own caballo, suggested Hart slyly. This brought a laugh. The idea of adding Miller's two hundred and fifty pounds in the seat of a jockey made for hilarity. I reckon George will have to ride the broom tail. We don't aim to break its back, replied Miller genially. His partner was a short man with a spare, wiry body. Few men trusted him after a glance at the mutilated face. The thin, hard lips gave warning that he had sold himself to evil. The low forehead, above which the hair was plastered flat in an arc, advertised low mentality. An hour later, Buck Byington drew Sanders aside. "'Dave, you're a chuckle-headed rabbit.' If ever I seen tin-horn sports, them too as such. They're collectin' a livin' off'n suckers. Didn't you sobby that come-on stuff? Their pack horse is a ringer. They tried him out this evening, but I noticed they ran under a blanket. Both of them are crooked as a dog's hind leg. Maybe so, admitted the young man. But Chiquito never went back on me yet. These fellows may be overplayin' their hand, don't you reckon? Not a chance. That tumblebug Miller is one fishy proposition, and his sidekick, Doble, say, he's the kind of bird that shoots you in the stomach while he's shaking hands with you. They're about as warm-hearted as a loan shark when he's turning on the screws, and about as impulsive. Me, I aim to button up my pocket when them guys are around. Dave returned to the fire. The two visitors were sitting side by side, and the leaping flames set fantastic shadows of them moving. One of these, rooted where Miller sat, was like a bloated spider watching its victim. The other, dwarfed and prehensile, might in its uncanny silhouette have been an imp of darkness from the nether regions. Most of the riders had already rolled up in their blankets and fallen asleep. To a reduced circle, Miller was telling the story of how his pack-horse won its name. "'So I noticed he was acting kind of funny, and I seen four pinpricks in his nose. Of course I hunted for Mr. Rattler and killed him, then gave Bill a pint of whiskey. It certainly paralyzed him proper. He got salivated as a mule-whacker on a spree. His nose swelled up till it was big as a barrel. Never did get down to normal again.' since which the old plug has been Whiskey Bill. This reminiscence did not greatly entertain Dave. He found his blankets, rolled up in them, and promptly fell asleep. For once he dreamed, and his dreams were not pleasant. 
he thought that he was caught in a net woven by a horribly fat spider which watched him try in vain to break the web that tightened on his arms and legs desperately he struggled to escape while the monster grinned at him maliciously and the harder he fought the more securely was he enmeshed End of chapter one